Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is a touchdown. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Stick around for those. Some cycling news that we'll talk about. We don't talk about cycling very much. We will in the, in the next segment. Segment three, Brian Lurst. He's with Quint Events. They're doing some interesting things with packages and tickets around this weekend's NBA All-Star Game in Los Angeles. We will talk to him. That's in segment three. Then in segment four, an old friend, Todd Ramazar. He's an NBA agent with BDA Sports. I met Todd when I was in China on a trip. In 2007, he works with BDA Sports. They rep Yao Ming, Steve Nash, Brandon Jennings. We're going to talk about athletes doing more and more business in China. We're also going to talk about the fact that the shoe endorsement deals domestically are drying up. So more and more athletes, Kevin Garnett, Steve Nash, Baron Davis, and others are seeking shoe deals abroad. We'll talk about that coming up with Todd Ramazar in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blogger. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at SB Radio. Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Do you pay poo holes? Or do you not pay Pujols? That is the question in the sports world this week. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you earlier this week on Twitter how you said, you know, I don't know if I can put that much of my team's salary cap or money on the line for one player. I don't. I agree with you on that. We'll talk about that next in headlines. Is that the decision part two coming up? Are we going to go through a year of where is Albert Pujols going to play just like we did with LeBron James? That's what it looks like. We'll see. All right, headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports. Business Radio will be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Broken heart for you, I'll jump off Noah's Ark. Love is blind and hope is dark. Why does pain feel so good? Love is science, live for you, die for you. And I'll die smiling. Easy come, easy go. That's just how you live. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio headlines sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the deadline for first baseman Albert Pujols and the St. Louis Cardinals to reach a new contract agreement passed Wednesday with no new deal, making it likely that the three-time MVP is going to test the free agent market after the season. Griggs, this is really interesting because you've got the player who is, you know, arguably the best player in baseball. He's 32 years old. He wants a seven to 10 year deal. So if it's a 10 year deal, the deal ends when he's 42. Reports are that he wants $30 million a year. And as I tweeted this week, I love Albert Pujols. He's a Hall of Famer first ballot. But if I'm the Cardinals, I give him more like a five-year, $150 million deal, so $30 million a year for five years. I don't want to be paying him $30 million when he's 42 years old. The other thing is, if you look back in recent history, when teams commit more than 20% of their payroll to one player, so A-Rod with the Texas Rangers, the San Francisco Giants paying that amount to Barry Bonds, it doesn't work out well. You need to have payroll flexibility. You need to be paying you know, guys one through nine in your lineup. You need to have a decent pitching staff. I don't think it makes sense for the Cardinals, even if they have the money, to pay him $30 million a year for 10 years. Five years I can live with, 10 I can't. Yeah, five is exactly what I was going to say when you said that because uh, that's a more uh, you can roll with that a little bit better. He's getting older. Injuries are going to play more of a part because and baseball seems like people are getting injured more too. And especially if he's getting up into the forties with a ten year deal, you risk that side of it too. Yeah, and it's just you know from the Cardinals' standpoint, you tie all that money up. The thing is, is that he's beloved in in St. Louis, so you risk a PR nightmare if you let this guy walk. The one thing I will promise you is. If he doesn't reach an agreement with the Cardinals, there is some Major League Baseball owner that will pay him $300 million for 10 years. Some team that needs a face-of-the-franchise type of guy, whether it's Baltimore, Texas, whoever it may be, they're going to come to the table with that money. And I think Pujols knows that. His agent knows that. So, you know, that's how I think this ultimately plays out. But we have a year of speculation, just like we did with LeBron James, so that's not going to be easy on Pujols. It's certainly not going to be easy on the Cardinals either. Yeah, like you said, he is kind of the franchise player there, and it could be a big blow if he goes just for the fan base. And it's a big fan base there, and that could hurt him. Our next headline, sticking in baseball, what a mess in New York with the Mets. New York Mets Chief Operating Officer Jeff Wilpon emphatically said Wednesday that his family will maintain majority ownership of the team despite facing a one billion, that's billion with a B, lawsuit from the trustee trying to recover funds for victims of convicted swindler Bernard Madoff's Ponzi scheme. Griggs, in a nutshell, the Wilpon family heavily invested with Bernie Madoff. They may lose a billion dollars when it's all said and done. It makes it very difficult for them to keep the Mets without having a minority owner. Now, here's the problem. 
Nobody wants 20 to 25% of the team because what are you going to get? A nice parking spot, maybe a few suites to the game. You have no decision making ability. You have no control over payroll. You're basically, you know, saying, hey, I'm part owner of a team. If you're Donald Trump, as was reported this week, you want controlling interest. You want at least 51%. If you're a Mark Cuban, if you're someone like that who's very successful as a business person, you want controlling interest. You're not just looking for a little sticker that you can hang on your wall that says, I have 20 to 25% of the team. And oh, by the way, you know they're offering 20 to 25% of the team, but no stake in the uh, team's network either. So that's a lot of money being missed. I just... I don't see how the Wilpons a year from now or two years from now still own this team if things are as bad as they say they are with this Madoff scandal. Yeah, it's just another example of something in in pro athletes or athletics that is driven by money disasters. And this is you know billion dollars. And like you said, somebody that's going to buy into this is going to want some kind of control. They're not going to just want the oh look I'm part owner. You know they're they're going to want to make decisions. The other story here is we've seen in Los Angeles the debacle with the McCourts and their divorce. And can the McCourts hang on? onto the baseball team there. For a long, long time, people have talked about how Major League Baseball owners and Bud C League aren't going to accept, quote-unquote, new blood into the ownership ranks. They don't want someone brash like a Mark Cuban or brash like a Donald Trump. Guess what? Major League Baseball pretty soon isn't going to have a choice. If these are the only guys that can step up with money and rescue these franchises, Major League Baseball is going to have to take that avenue instead of saying, you know what, the Mets have to fold or the Dodgers have to fold or the league has to take them over. I mean, there's no way these teams are going to fold, but the league would have to assume operations like they did with the Montreal Expos, like the NBA recently did with the New Orleans Hornets, and they don't want to do that. So if you've got guys out there that have big opinions, that are brash, that are bigger than life, like Cuban and Trump, to me, you know, I first of all, I like that. I want some new ideas in my league. Second of all, if they're going to come in and rescue the team and take away that PR nightmare from my league, I'm going to bring them on board, even if there's some other owners that are old school and don't want kind of the new blood coming into the league. Yep. Agree. <laughs> Nothing more to say. I was just sitting here nodding my head the whole time because, yeah, I think it's good. I think some new blood. I'd love Donald Trump to be involved in it. I mean, that guy, he's everywhere. People love him. He's on TV. I mean, I think it'd be great. Do you Why know not? there's a reality show there if he <laughs> yeah. was ever the owner? You know, Behind the walk scenes. walk around, people, you're fired. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That would, that would be really funny. Oh, great. I, I still think, you know, Cuban as a, as a Major League Baseball owner would be fantastic as well. Our next headline amazing to me how under the radar this was this week. So the international cycling career of Lance Armstrong officially ended with a retirement announcement on Wednesday less than a month after his last race. Armstrong, seven-time Tour de France champion, most prolific cyclist in American history. Obviously, we know what he's done for cancer research, raising millions and millions of dollars. He issued a statement via his Twitter feed confirming his second retirement was official. So he retired once in 2005, then he returned in 2009 for a comeback, said he wanted to raise awareness for cancer research. His Twitter message said, thanks for all the messages on Retirement 2.0. Thanks for all the support the past two and a half years. Onward. Now, we know that Armstrong is caught up in a bunch of doping allegations. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration conducting a probe um, on these allegations. Los Angeles Grand Jury has been convened to hear evidence in that case. So, 
is he retiring? Because like we said with Andy Pettit, why he didn't come back with the Yankees, he's going to be called to testify. It would be a distraction from his baseball career. Is this all going to become a distraction for Lance Armstrong cycling? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that he would have won another Tour de France. I don't think he's at that level anymore. But it is interesting, the timing of this. The other story, and I tweeted this this week, is Alberto Contador. He was uh, seen, he was cleared of his doping allegations for the positive test with Climbuterol. So remember, there was the tainted meat. Well, guess what? He can now race again. He's been cleared of any wrongdoing. And it's amazing to me, Griggs, we always hear the allegations in sports and in entertainment, the retractions or the apologies or, oh, this guy was cleared or this woman was cleared. That's like page 15 of the newspaper or you don't hear about it at all. And that was a way under the radar story this week. And the problem for Contador, there's always going to be the suspicion that he doped, that he cheated. There's not going to be any companies that are going to want to do endorsement deals with him, which is important to cyclists. That's how they make a lot of their money. So his career, from an endorsement standpoint, is pretty much done, and here he's been cleared. Now, I'm not saying that he's innocent, but this federation cleared him and said he's okay to race. And, you know, that's got to be good enough for all of us. Yeah, and it, it's it's an interesting sport because it is tainted a lot by these allegations. And cycling's taken a hit lately, especially because of all this stuff with Lance and all these guys. And, uh, you know, I, it is weird that it all came down with Lance at this time, but I think he's probably just thinking, I, I'm not at that level. I can't keep winning, so why keep playing, maybe? I don't know. And I also think there's a little bit of the, you know... <laughs> He doesn't want to be cycling and racing all over the world and get these questions again and again and again. All right, our last headline of the week. This is staggering. This is mind-boggling. The Lakers sign a 20-year rights deal with Time Warner Cable could be worth $3 billion. Now, the interesting thing here is that they're taking their games off of free over-the-air TV. So, a certain part of their games were on KCBS. The other parts were on Fox Sports, if you're in Los Angeles. Now, it's all going to be on cable. But, Griggs, they're going to make $2.5 million a game as part of this deal for 20 years. There's not a, a TV deal like it in the NBA. It's $3 billion, which allows the buses to own this team for the foreseeable future. The buses were offered a billion dollars recently for the team, and they took a close look at it. But now when you have a $3 billion TV deal, I mean, it's stunning. Even for the Lakers, even in the L.A. market, that kind of money is remarkable. It is insane. And I saw that, too, come out this week, and it was just like, wow, that is money you can't even think about. And like you said, I mean, it's TV, and it is NBA, and it is L.A., but still, unbelievable amount of money for that deal. Well, and for anyone who says the playing field is level in the NBA, it's not. Because, you know, okay, the payrolls and the salary caps and all that is the same, but if you're in L.A. or New York, you're going to get a lot more money for your broadcast rights than you are if you're in Milwaukee or Portland or San Antonio, and and that's just how it is. All right, coming up in segment four, Todd Ramazar. He's an NBA agent. He works with Yao Ming. He works with Steve Nash. He works with Brandon Jennings. Players are doing more and more business in China. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about how the shoe deal market used to be easy to get a Nike deal and Adidas deal. Not so easy anymore. We'll talk about that coming up in segment four. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. 
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Brian Lurst of Quint Events. He's the president of Quint Events, and they're doing some really interesting stuff around the All-Star Game in Los Angeles this weekend, the NBA All-Star Game. Brian, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Sure, glad to do it. So explain the concept of Quint Events, the partnerships it has with the NBA for the All-Star Game. I know you guys work with the NFL for the Super Bowl, and you've also worked with the Kentucky Derby. Explain that, if you would. Sure. We're the official provider for those three events, and what that means is yeah, everything that we get you know, comes directly from those leagues or from Churchill Downs. Yeah, so that the, the fans or the, the corporate guests that come don't have to worry about whether they're actually going to get the seats that they bought etc. because it's coming direct. And uh, we put together full-service travel programs that uh, yeah, people can purchase the whole package with the tickets included, hospitality at the event, and uh, yeah, the travel arrangements as well, whether it be air travel, ground transportation, hotel accommodations, etc. So again, NBA All-Star Game this weekend in Los Angeles. What are some of the VIP packages that you're offering for that experience? Well, we offer a, a package, for example, that's in yeah, the you know, the center right on mid-court, you know, you know, great seat. You know, they could, you know, get, uh, you know, a group of 10 or 20, you know, all together. comes with uh, tickets to all three nights' events, Friday's T-Mobile Rookie Challenge, the Saturday night events, the Slam Dunk Contest, three-point shooting contest, etc. And then Sunday at the All-Star Game, they, they not only get a ticket to the game, but we have a private hospitality center for all the, the NBA event package holders. That includes full open bar, all the food they can eat. We'll have some NBA players in there signing autographs and some other celebrities there. And, uh, yeah, that'll be open as soon as the gates open right up until game time. And then it opens up again after the game for about an hour so they can wait for the traffic to die down and head on out at their leisure. Then we also have, you know, hotel rooms, you know, right across the street from Staples Center at the Lux City Center Hotel um, that they can get in their package. And if they need other things like, you know, some of the parties around town that are happening, um, you know, they can buy those for us as well. So we're kind of a one-stop shop for everything they need for the All-Star Game. So if I wanted to buy one of these VIP packages, and it includes all the things you just mentioned, including the parties and the hotel and the tickets and the the festivities for the slam dunk and everything else, what am I looking at spending on something like that? They'll start at about $1,600, and the, the, uh, the highest-priced uh, package with the best seats is – yeah, in the $8,000 range. 
Okay, so, you know, with the Super Bowl, how did that work out for you? And, uh, you know, gosh, we saw all the people with ticket problems there. That was one of the big stories coming out of the Super Bowl. It seems like your company's able to, you know, make sure that people are getting authentic tickets. Because one of the big problems, too, right now, Brian, is that people buy tickets on the secondary market and they're counterfeit tickets. And they go to the game and they just learn that they spent money on a ticket that has no value or worth, right? That's right, and that's that's one of the benefits of uh, being the official provider. Everything that we get comes directly from the NFL or NBA or Churchill Downs, so we don't have to worry about whether the ticket has been printed by somebody else, a counterfeit ticket, or you know what the price is going to be at the last minute because you know two popular teams with great fan bases that travel, like the Packers and the Steelers, make it to the game and. And uh, yeah, the ticket prices go up because it's a you know free market and supply and demand. The, the greater the demand, the lower the supply. Yeah, the higher the price the tickets are. So, with our packages, the, you know, the prices are set, they're fixed. You know what they are. You're buying directly from the league, so you don't have to worry about those things. Brian, how can people learn more about Quint Events? How can they find you online? Are you guys using social media? Uh, let our audience know how they can find you. Sure, you can go uh, you know, to our website, which is www.quintevents.com. Um, and then we also have sites specifically for the NBA. It's the it's uh, www.nba-events.com. And then the Derby is derbyexperiences.com. So they can go to any one of those sites, and uh, they'll be able to see all the things that we're doing and uh, yeah, all the packages and prices and everything. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back on around Derby time. I'd love to hear what you guys are doing specifically for the Kentucky Derby. Brian Lurst, the president of Quint Events, thank you so much for joining us this week on Sports Business Radio. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Coming up next, Todd Ramazar of BDA Sports. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Todd Ramazar. He's an NBA agent. He's with BDA Sports. You can find them online at bdasports.com. Todd and I met in 2007. We were both on a trip in China around the Yao Ming, Steve Nash, Carmelo Anthony charity game. And it was an eye-opening trip for both of us. We've remained friends and stayed in contact. And I've wanted to have Todd on the show for a long time. Todd, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. 
Oh, Brian, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So, I mean, you guys work with the cream of the crop in the NBA. Yao Ming, Rajon Rondo, Steve Nash, Brandon Jennings, Baron Davis, Greg Oden, just a few of your clients. But let's go back to 2007 when we met on that trip. And it was your first trip to China, I believe. It was my first trip to China. And, you know, I think both of us walked away with just our eyes wide open to what an enormous market that is people-wise, but then also economy-wise, it's such a ripe economy. And more and more businesses and athletes especially seem to be looking to China to do business. No, I agree, Brian. I, I tell you, that trip that we... Um that we took there in China was an eye-opening experience. And uh, I've been back to China several times since. And, um, you know, every time I go back, you could just see the growth in, in the country overall. But, you know, as it relates to basketball and the growth of, uh, of basketball in the NBA in China, it's, uh, it's growing year after year. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, okay, everyone out there who doesn't know, there's 1.3 billion people in China. There's 300 million people in the United States. There's six times more people in China than the United States. So, Todd, I know you've got some staggering numbers for us. The Super Bowl here in the United States, Steelers-Packers just set an all-time record, 111 million viewers. You've got numbers for regular season games for the Houston Rockets in China and some other numbers for when Yao Ming is playing. Share those numbers with our audience. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's look at the numbers. So, as you mentioned, Brian, you know, China's population's, you know, over 1.3 billion people. You know, out of those 1.3 billion people, there are over 300 million basketball fans in China, and that population is growing. Um, where uh, where basketball is uh, the third most popular sport in the U.S., uh, you know, no other sport in China has a uh, a larger foothold. Um, and so when you look at those numbers, uh, as you mentioned, uh, where there was a record setting, 100 and what was it, 10 million viewers uh, for the NFL Super Bowl. Um, just to give you an idea, with when Yao plays uh, with the Houston Rockets, uh, it's been reported from uh, a rocket source that. Uh, a regular season game, there's over 100 million viewers uh, just for a regular season game, and that spikes uh, even going into the playoffs. Uh, in Yao Ming's first matchup against Shaquille O'Neal uh, early in his career, there was over 200 million viewers in China that viewed that game, and um, also his first matchup uh, against one of his um, uh, one of his uh, Chinese uh, national teammates, uh, Yi. Uh, that was uh, also over 200 million viewers in China. It's just, it's remarkable for the game that we were there for in 2007, an exhibition game that wasn't really sanctioned by anyone. It raised money for charity. It was fantastic. But that game got over 100 million viewers, right? Oh, it's actually over 200 million viewers, Brian. I mean, you, you keep things in perspective. I know you can just compared it to the Super Bowl and the 110 million viewers there for the Super Bowl here in the U.S., but um, you know, the most watched show of fall 2010 broadcast season for the NFL uh, was the Saints-Cowboys uh, during Thanksgiving weekend, and that was 31.9 million viewers. So you take that number, the most watched uh, broadcast at 31.9 million viewers, and you compare that to, you know, say Yao Ming and the Houston Rockets, you know, over 100 million, you could see uh, the discrepancy there in the numbers. And, uh, and how many uh, basketball fans and viewers they are there in China. 
So it's and, ama- uh, it's amazing the doors that Yao has opened for the NBA as a league and for other NBA athletes in China. I mean, when we were over there, you see billboards everywhere of NBA players, far more than you see for NFL players or for Major League Baseball players. And now what's happened, Todd, is that you've got you know mm-hmm. B- Baron Davis, one of your clients, Steve Nash, mm-hmm. one of your clients, Kevin Garnett, guys that are opting to do shoe deals with Chinese-based companies because because they see the growth opportunity again with 1.3 billion people as your audience that's where so much of the growth is maybe you can talk about that a little bit and just some of the deals Nash Baron Davis why they opted to do business in China well well Brian even before I get into that I think it's even important to understand the history of the NBA in China and uh, why the players that you just mentioned um, have opportunities in China, um, and I know you mentioned the factor, uh, you know, the Yao Ming factor, which is uh, definitely the tipping point. But you know, the NBA's roots in China go back to Abe Poland, who was the former Washington Wizards owner, um, and uh, he took a team uh, to China back in 1979, which was then known as the Washington Bullets. And I would say that was the beginning, uh, pretty much, of the NBA's infatuation uh, with China. You kind of fast forward to uh, the popularity of the NBA in 1992 with the Dream Team and, uh, and David Stern and, and the NBA's goal of globalization of basketball. Now, you know, as that relates to China, um, you know, we see the growth in the economy there. You know, China is now the second uh, largest economy in the world, uh, surpassing uh, Japan, which uh, held that number two spot for the last 42 years. And... Um, you know, there's even analysts that say that China's uh, going to surpass the, the U.S. economy in the next decade. And um, so in, in terms of fact, uh, taking in all those factors, David Stern, um, obviously taking that in consideration in the NBA, they needed to have a face uh, to go with basketball in China. Uh, the important thing to know about basketball is, is, similar to soccer, it's relatively an inexpensive sport. To play, especially in developing countries, you need just a basketball or, or a ball and some type of cylinder to act as a basketball. So, in terms of um, in terms of the popularity in those uh, developing countries, you know, it's an easy sport to pick up because you can play it individually. You can play it as a team sport. So, in 2002, um, Yao was drafted to the NBA, and with his success, uh, grew the popularity there in China. And um, you know, even fast forward into um, to 2008 with the Beijing Olympics and Team USA's uh, success there in the Olympics, it just opened so many doors uh, to NBA athletes. And I know we talked about the numbers of viewers for the Houston Rockets and when Yao plays, but that's that's expanded, you know, not just to the Houston Rockets, but also to, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers and some other teams that are prominent here in the NBA. So, uh, looking at those deals and opportunities, I think I think it's fair to say um, that Yao created a lot of those opportunities uh, for NBA athletes there in China. You know, it started there with the Houston Rockets, where you know even now 85 percent of the Houston Rockets roster uh, have Chinese-based uh, shoe deals. So you know, you know, taking that all into consideration. Uh, you could kind of understand where a Baron Davis, a Steve Nash, a Kevin Garnett, you know, superstars in the NBA the last decade, um, you know, have a large fan base in China, which they're able to 
convert to opportunities and partnerships with brands there in China. We're joined by Todd Ramazar. He's an NBA agent. He's with BDA Sports. BDA Sports works with Yao Ming, Rajon Rondo, Steve Nash, Brandon Jennings, Baron Davis, Greg Oden, and many other stars of the NBA. Let's talk specifics on some of these deals, Todd. You know, I know the trend now is, you know, if you look at Tom Brady's deal with Under Armour, he's getting equity in that kind of a deal. Are players doing business in China getting equity as part of their deals like Brady did with Under Armour? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, we just... um uh, finish a deal with, uh, or finalize a deal with Steve Nash last year with, uh, the Chinese based company Luyo. And, uh, even more appealing than just, uh, the guaranteed cash compensation of that deal, you know, Steve Nash is also a shareholder in the company. Um, also, we're being able to get creative with some of these deals where, uh, Steve's, uh, Nike contract had expired. Uh, for shoe companies like Luyo, we were able to just get uh, territory or a China territory only uh, deal. And when I say China only, uh, Steve is uh, obviously a sponsor of Luyo in China, but he's still able to wear any other shoe uh, of his like um, in, uh, in the NBA uh, when he's playing his games. And that's interesting because that's you know we see entertainers a lot. They may do territory-based deals. Hey, I'm going to go do a deal with a beverage company mm-hmm. in Europe or something like that. But in the United States, I can do a different kind of a deal. Talk about Barron's deal with Lee Ning because you know he did his deal even before Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. And I know you and Barron have had a long-standing relationship. And Barron was on that trip with us. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was Barron's first time to China too. So that was a real eye-opening trip for him in 2007. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, Barron's, Barron's deal with Li Ning uh, was and is uh, still the largest uh, shoe deal for a non-Chinese athlete. And um, that trip uh, especially, you know, Barron did have interest in China prior to that trip, but once he went there, it was also an eye-opening experience for him, and he's been back um, every year since. You know, the important thing, Brian, is you know, for a lot of these deals and opportunities for the athletes, you know, these deals aren't just going to, you know, really just fall on the athletes' laps. You know, the athletes actually have to get there, you know, and, and actually travel to China, be there on the ground, interact with the fans, interact with the media, because it's a completely different market uh, than here in the U.S., even though uh, they may have a, a strong fan following uh, and fan base here in the U.S., and they may be recognized from the NBA, they still have to travel to China. And um, I'm, I'm sure every summer we read about, you know, the Kobe Bryant of the world or the LeBron James of the world, you know, traveling, or even Dwight Howard traveling for Nike and Adidas to China to do these tours because those shoe companies understand uh, the value of that Chinese market, the marketplace. So, you know, those shoe companies have to get their top-tier athletes to China actually there on the ground and, um, and and really interacting with their consumers there. Well, it's interesting, Todd, too. You look at Nash and, and Baron Davis and even Kevin Garnett, and, you know, they're definitely nearing 
the end of their careers in the next several mm-hmm. years. It's not like they're they're rookies. And I think what's smart on their part and on your part is that they see the opportunities post-career in China. So, okay, I did a shoe deal, but that's going to give me some prominence here in China. It might open the door for some other deals. And if I can do some business in China after my playing career, that might be something that can sustain me post-career. Well, if you um, if you look at any athlete, whether it's um, early on their career, middle of their career, towards the end of their career, their most prominent, usually their most prominent marketing deal as it relates to the basketball and the NBA is their shoe deal. And you're right, Brian. For for Steve Nash and Barron to sign with Chinese shoe companies, uh, we use uh, these deals and uh, and the relationship with these companies, which are strong companies and they have great products. Uh, using these companies as a platform for our athletes in China and growing their brand in China for like what you mentioned as far as building um, you know building their awareness and brand in China but but also uh, looking towards their post career we've got just a few minutes left let's talk about kind of the sports marketing landscape especially as mm-hmm. it relates to the shoe market in the United States you've got kind of this perfect storm that's happened over the last several years. You've got a bad economy where budgets have dried up and then you've also got you know, high-profile athletes, Michael Vick, Ben Roethlisberger, Tiger Woods, who have gotten in trouble off the field of play, which has also made companies think twice about investing in their brand. It used to be back in the day, a lot of money was thrown around for shoe deals, and that's not the case anymore. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit and how hard it is to get a shoe deal for an athlete now in, in this day and age. Well, I think you mentioned it, Brian, is uh, obviously the economy has affected where those marketing dollars are spent. But, I, uh, um, but there's also, uh, there's also uh, changes in marketing strategies for a lot of these companies. If you hear, um, and I know you and I kind of talked about it, you, you see uh, AEG is planning on building an NFL uh, arena here in Los Angeles, and you, you start looking at the numbers where they talk about their partnership with Farmers Insurance. I mean, you're talking about a a deal that's close to a billion dollars just on naming rights. So it's not that these companies don't have money or they're not starting to recover from this crisis uh, that the country suffered or this global economic crisis. I think they're being more precise and strategic as far as where these dollars are spent. And you had mentioned Tiger Woods or even a Michael Vick or some other professional athletes and the transgressions uh, that they've had in, in recent years. But um, you also have to take in consideration too the acquisitions and mergers of several shoe companies. You know, Reebok was was bought out by Adidas. You know, Converse was acquired by Nike. Uh, when this happens, uh, there's less uh, competition in the marketplace uh, for these shoe companies to basically try and outbid themselves when they're trying to uh, secure some of the top athletes. So. You have to you have to look at that and take that in consideration, and also see, you know, where these shoe companies like Nike or Adidas are spending their money. I know Nike has just made a substantial investment in in uh, the NFL uh, with their licensing and in uh, apparel. Um, they made a substantial investment in Team USA basketball. Uh, you kind of look at that strategy and you say, why did they do that? Well, you know, essentially they they have the you know the top players. Uh, in the world that are now wearing Nike products, you know, going into the Olympics and you talk about brand exposure and different things, you know, regardless of, I think it was two athletes that might have been non-Nike uh, athletes, 
you talk about the branding for a team like that and the notoriety, that provides value uh, to a company like that more so than maybe spending those marketing dollars on, on individual players just across the board. So, Todd, explain to our audience, if you're you know, a middle-of-the-road average player, you're not Dwight Howard, you're not Kobe Bryant, you're not LeBron James, mm-hmm. what type of deal are you getting? Is it just product-based, hey, we're Nike or Adidas and we'll give you some shoes to wear, or are you getting a little bit of money? What kind of deals are those players getting? Well, you know, that, that all factors in. That's, that's part of the reason why our agency is looking for opportunities in China and on alternative marketing deals, Brian, because the, the fact is a U.S. marketplace for, for uh, say, Tier 2 or Tier 3 athletes is, is really saturated. Uh, most of those marketing dollars of the companies here in the U.S. are spent on that, those top-tier athletes or those A-list, uh, A-list uh, clients. Um, typically, we look at um, different deals where, you know, the athletes are able to get some form of cash compensation, but uh, typically those players here in the U.S. will just get a product-only deal. But there's uh, there's other ways to kind of build, um, you know, the athletes' fan base, build their notoriety. Uh, most of that is driven from their success on the court or their team success on the court. But uh, through new media, that's uh, another form in recent years where uh, athletes are able to build that fan base or uh, build that fan following, which could possibly translate to marketing dollars in the future for them. Last question for you before I let you go. We always do a Twitter question of the week. You can mm-hmm. tweet us at, at SB Radio with your questions for our featured guest of the week. This week comes from Carrie Sermon. Carrie says, Todd, for those young professionals looking to become contract advisors, what advice would you give? Todd, we've talked a lot. A lot of people looking to get into the industry. What advice mm-hmm. would you give someone who wants to have your job? Uh, the key, I think the key to this business is persistence and uh, and and contacts. But in terms of advising your clients, you, you definitely have to be informed and well informed as far as um, you know collective bargaining agreements, state laws, um, different things that could impact you know the counsel that you're giving uh, your clients. So um, you know there's different things and I could talk on and on and on about it but you definitely want to separate yourself from peers um, uh, uh, graduate school um, different opportunities like that as far as furthering your education are important to uh, to doing that but it really comes down to internships contacts and being persistent because I think uh, this industry is unlike any other industry as far as uh, the competitive nature of it and and different things that are uh, involved with it. Todd Ramazar, NBA agent, BDA Sports. You can find them online at bdasports.com. Todd, always great to catch up with you. I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time. Let's make this a more regular occurrence. And uh, good luck this weekend with the NBA All-Star Game in Los Angeles. I appreciate it, Brian. Anytime. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio.
Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Really enjoyed this week's show. I want to thank our guest, Brian Lurst, the president of Quint Events. They're doing some interesting things. Todd Ramazar with BDA Sports. Definitely going to have Todd on again soon. So much going on in China with athletes, and great to catch up with him. Good to talk about the shoe deals and everything else going on. Uh, our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Patrick O'Neill, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Click on the iTunes link on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd really appreciate it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Find the links to our Twitter and Facebook pages on the homepage of sportsbusinessradio.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com 
www.thepatriotsocialcenter.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.